Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I want to say a special good morning to the kids. Thank you for being with us. And parents, please don't worry if they make noise. They're kids. We love life here. And so let them participate in the life of the church that way. And so ease your worries. Just direct your attention this way. We're good. Well, John Piper said this one thing, surprisingly. (laughs) He says a lot of things. But here's one thing that he said that has stuck with me. One sentence can change your life. One sentence can change your life. Sentences like, you're pregnant. Or sentences like, you got the job. Or sentences like, will you marry me and Lord willing, following that quickly, I will. Or sentences like, winner, gagnant. And Fred, that was for you. I tried really hard to speak French there. Sentences can change your life. And so today, I want to take just a few moment to help us reflect on a very important sentence, a sentence that if in faith we receive it, will change all our lives. And so if you have your Bibles, please open them up to John chapter 1. We're looking at this one verse, verse 29. The next day, he, meaning John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, one sentence that changes our lives. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One sentence can change your life. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This one sentence is loaded with meaning. It tells us so much about Jesus and who he is and what he came to do. See, see the sentence, first of all, tells us that Jesus is the anticipated sacrifice. Jesus is the anticipated sacrifice. See, to understand what John means here when he proclaims, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, we need to understand a bit of the Old Testament context. See, John was the promised, foretold forerunner of the Messiah. And so with this proclamation, John is actually pulling together two important themes and threads of the Old Testament. He's pulling together the sacrificial system and he's pulling together the promise of the coming Messiah. See, the scriptures were abundantly clear that the just response of God towards our sin was divine judgment. But God, isn't that phrase beautiful? But God, in his abounding kindness, establishes a system by which we can obtain forgiveness through sacrifice where judgment falls on a substitute. 
See, we see this from the the very beginning, right in Genesis. Adam and Eve, their shame is covered by the skin of an animal. After they try covering up themselves, God provides for them covering an animal who died in their place. The Passover in Egypt, judgment passes over those who are covered by the blood of the lamb. In Leviticus, and some of you might be in there in your Bible reading plan, it's, it's a long walk through that book. What you see is there's sacrifices for everything. And a highlight of the Old Testament in Leviticus is this, the Day of Atonement. See, two goats were brought before the priest and one was slaughtered as a, as a substitute for the judgment that we should have received for our sin. And then the other, hands were laid upon, sins were confessed, and the goat was driven out of the camp, symbolizing the sin being taken away from the people of God. Over and over, what we see in the scriptures is that salvation and forgiveness is provided and secured through the judgment falling on a substitute who bears our sin and takes it away. As the Old Testament continues to develop, what it does is it anticipates and it hints at and looks forward to the Messiah, the one who will deliver But the Old Testament also tells us this, that the Messiah, whose description only God can fill, will also be that very substitute for us, that God will do it. Isaiah 53, which was was read for us a little bit earlier in the scripture reading time, shows us that the man of suffering is also the king of glory. God will do it. God not only provides the way to forgiveness, but he provides the substitute in himself. It's into this context of sin requiring judgment, of substitutionary sacrifice, of the promise of the Messiah that Jesus enters the story. It's into this context that John, when he sees Jesus, proclaims, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, the Old Testament is pregnant with hope and anticipation that leads us to Jesus, who by his substitutionary death, taking on the just judgment for our sin, becomes a pleasing aroma as a sacrifice before God, and in doing so, delivers his people. The question when we hear all of this, the question we should ask then is why would God do this? Don't be under any illusion that God was obligated to do this. He wasn't. So why did God do this? The answer is because he loves us. See, Augustine says this. The fact that we were reconciled to Christ, through Christ's death must not be understood as if his son reconciled us to him that he might now begin to love those whom he had hated. He says, don't think of it that way. Instead, rather, we have been reconciled to him who already loves us, with whom we were once enemies on account of our sin. See, every Good Friday is an in-your-face reminder of the love of God. See, the cross did not secure God's love for you. God's love secured Christ on the cross, 
The cross was not the beginning of God's love for you. The cross was his display of love for you. This is good news. Why? Because this shows us that there was nothing in us, nothing about our situation, nothing about how desperate we were that provoked God's love. Instead, it was his divine perfection of his love like a fountain running over that produced salvation for us. And this is great news because there, that, this is what it means. Because there is nothing then that can diminish God's love for you. If it's his perfect love on display, there's nothing that you can do or ever can do that will diminish God's love for you. When God sets his affection on the saints, he gives all of it. And we see that in the cross. His love is the reason why Jesus came, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the anticipated sacrifice, the one all of the prophets and the law look forward to. But unlike the Old Testament, unlike the Old Testament sacrifices, Jesus is the final sacrifice. Jesus is the final sacrifice. See, in the Old Testament, sacrifices had to be offered year after year, over and over. And the writer of Hebrews points out to us and shows us that these sacrifices can't actually cleanse our conscience, can't actually cleanse inwardly. Hebrews chapter 10, verse three says this, in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year. For it is impossible for the blood of goats to take away sin. But Jesus isn't like that. Jesus, the Lamb of God, offers himself once for all, one time, final sacrifice. Nothing more is needed. Why? Because unlike bulls and goats, Jesus was our perfect substitute. He assumed our human nature. He became like us. He became truly man so he could truly stand in the place of humanity before God as our substitute. But unlike us, he perfectly obeyed. Think about this. This this came to mind this week as I was preparing for this. Jesus is the only one, the only high priest who had never had to offer sacrifices for himself. He's the only high priest who didn't need to seek cleansing before he sought the forgiveness of the people he cares for. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. He is our spotless substitute. And because Jesus is not only assuming our human nature, because he is also perfectly divine, his sacrifice is infinite in value and could perfectly satisfy the demand of God's justice against us. Compared to the Old Testament soul-crushing over and over, year after year, reminder of our sin through sacrifice, the soul-refreshing news of the gospel is this, Jesus paid it all. The work of Jesus is a finished one. Now, there's some practical application for us here. Sometimes, In our extending of forgiveness to others, we can be like the Old Testament sacrificial system. Can we not? 
like the Old Testament sacrificial system will say you are forgiven, but keep reminding the person over and over, year after year of their past offenses, and it crushes their souls. When we forgive, the gospel calls us to forgive like Jesus. When someone truly repents, we should offer forgiveness completely. Now, that doesn't mean that trust and loyalty and relationship is restored to where it was. But what it does mean is that you'd never bring up that wrong again. It refreshes the soul when true forgiveness is extended. Here's something else. What we need to be aware of is our great enemy, Satan, will make us doubt the finished work of Christ. He accuses us And like the sacrifices of old reminds us over and over, year after year of our sin. And then the temptation for us is that we think we need to add to that sacrifice. We need to do things to earn God's favor. We need to read our Bible more. We need to fast. We need to pray. We need to give to the poor. We need to display our works of righteousness. But we need to remember, there's nothing that we can do that will save us. Remember what the writer of Hebrews says. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Maybe we can add to that. It's impossible for devotion, prayer, and giving to take away sin. It is impossible for works of righteousness to take away sin. It is impossible for good intentions to take away sin. Only Jesus can, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Our guilt has been removed not by anything we have done or ever could do, but by Jesus. But all of these things then we do, devotion, prayer, giving, obedience as a response in gratitude, love, and worship because of the sacrifice of Christ which secures for us our position before him. He is the final sacrifice. And because of this final sacrifice, he inaugurates a new era for us because Jesus is the better sacrifice. He is the better sacrifice. See, the work of Jesus at the cross ushers in the new covenant built on better promises and better blessings. And it's all of its promises are then secured for those who come to Jesus in faith. Jeremiah 31 extends to us what those are. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I have made with their fathers. Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their heart. I will be their God and they shall be my people. 34, and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. And here it is. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. It is done. It is finished. See, the infinite value of Christ's sacrifice offers us real forgiveness, 
Unlike the Old Testament sacrifice that had, be, that had to be repeated over and over, year after year, that only worked to remind us of our sin, the work of Jesus forgives our sin, completely removes it from us, and, G- and God himself promises he remembers it no more. Not only that, Jesus then offers us his perfect righteousness, It's credited to our account, and we go from condemned to forgiven to righteous. Not only that, but by the work of the Spirit, God not only deals with our condemnation, but he also deals with the corruption of our heart. He takes out the heart of stone, puts in a heart of flesh, and he writes the law on our hearts so that by the Spirit, we can obey him. Not only that, we are brought in as children. He says he knows us. We are adopted into his family and we are preserved by his spirit to the very end. Not only that, it keeps getting better. Not only that, we will one day be brought home safely and presented before the Father with great joy. Behold him there, the risen lamb perfect spotless righteousness for when he looks on him looks on us he sees not us but he sees Christ and we will be presented before the father with great joy see his sacrifice the offering of himself in our place means our everything And it's his sacrifice that then produces the eternal praise of the saints. Revelation 5, verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. His sacrifice is the reason for our praise for all of eternity. So we need to fix our eyes properly. So brothers and sisters, I'm gonna join in with John. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. One sentence changes our life. And this sentence means everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time that we could look to your word We thank you for how you have worked out salvation for us. By your spirit, would you fix our eyes on Jesus Christ and help us to behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Help us to delight in him and let that work be now a reason for our praise as we now sing, as we celebrate the work that you have done through participation in the supper. Would you be the reason for our devotion and our praise? Continue to work in us, we pray. All of this in Christ's name, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.